Welcome to the Captain Thoughts podcast, where we demolish every argument and pretension raised against the knowledge of Christ. I'm your host, Kyle, and today we're going to be talking about the spiritual gifts. I'm joined today by my colleague, Zach Rosler who is a, another um, teacher at my church, Freedom Fellowship, serving Northeast Ohio. Welcome, Zach. Thanks, Kyle. Glad to be your colleague. And when it comes to spiritual gifts, this guy knows a thing or two. And that's because he has every spiritual gift. Oh, uh, you know, that's news to me. That's really exciting. Uh, thank you, you for letting me know. <laughs> Oh, no, but man. I am excited to talk about spiritual gifts. I'm glad Kyle asked me to come on, and I think this will be a cool discussion. Yes. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's several passages that talk about the gifts. And, you know, I think that there's also a huge interest in learning about the gifts from oh, Christians, yeah. at least the ones that know about it. Because, well, I mean, all you have to do is look online and all the tests people are doing online. Mm-hmm. Like, which Harry Potter character are you? You know, people like that idea of being individual, unique. The spiritual gifts make you unique, certainly. What Harry Potter character are you? Mm. Um, is that like Legolas, I think? <laughs> Yoda? Yeah. I would be like Hagrid, probably. He's pretty cool. It is interesting how many tests there are out there like to see what you're like. I think a lot of those are like, aren't they data mining? Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, they are dangerous. Those of so you guys careful. who are doing those tests, you know, watch out. Yeah. But the Bible has its own test for you. Yeah. The spiritual gifts. Talked about it. Uh, Talked about all over in Scripture. And what are, though, the spiritual gifts? What does it, what does the Bible mean by them? Um, So as I mentioned, there's several passages that go through this. And we're going to focus today on one particular passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because it goes through... Uh, list of them but he also gives us good background like you know just a definition understanding of where these gifts come from how they work what we're supposed to use them for why we have them so i thought it'd be a good passage to guide us as we take a look at all this yep i have my e-bible here and let's take a look first at verses uh, four through six of chapter 12 because This is where he kind of tells us where they come from. Mm -hmm. Um, Verse four, starting there, it says, There are different gifts, uh, different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. So right away, we are understanding that these gifts are coming from the spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's a unique role from the Holy Spirit. And, you know, reminds me of where, you know, Jesus, before he... Uh, goes back to be with Father in heaven. He promises that uh, you will do even greater things than me talking to the apostles. Isn't that a weird thing to say? Someone like Jesus. One could argue he did some pretty great things. Yeah, I would argue that. Yeah. They could argue that pretty effectively. (laughs) And so when you think of you're going to do even better things than, or greater things rather than him, you know, it makes, makes my head turn, you know. What does he mean by that? And I think when you come to the gifts here, it starts to make a little more sense because 
we're not going to be better than Jesus, you know, specifically in the way we do things and how we talk. You know, he lived a perfect life. We're not going to be greater than him in that sense, but we're certainly going to be greater than him, that is, numerically, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, just the sheer quantity of people. When you have billions of Christians or millions of Christians, you know, going out, doing the work of ministry, using their gifts that are promised, then you can start to understand like, whoa, you know, God's kingdom really did take off in a significant way after Jesus. And it wasn't the power of us, but it was the power of the Spirit working through people uh, and bringing gifts to do that work. So just maybe think of that as we're, you know, looking at the spirits here. Uh, So he talks about there are different gifts. These gifts come from the Holy Spirit. They're given to Christians uh, after they receive Christ. And so, you know, the, the idea here, there, there's lots of views on the gifts and, um, you know, how they manifest themselves today. Um, there are some people who, for example, would teach that the, uh, you know, it's, it's, there are certain gifts that you have to uh, have, like, for example, speaking in tongues or interpreting things like that that you know show that uh that shows that you are a christian that if you're if you don't have those gifts then you're not a christian um but actually what we're going to read here is you know clearly that what really counts is if you're simply you know believe in christ that's when you receive the holy spirit and that then everyone gets a gift but it doesn't necessarily have to be a certain gift that manifests itself um anyway he goes on and says there are different kinds of service but the same lord there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. There are many different kinds of gifts. There are many different kinds of working. So where people try to pigeonhole, you know, it has to be this specific kind of gift in order to be a Christian. That's where I would yeah. take issue with that. Oh, yeah, me too. I think also people tend to think certain gifts are maybe better or like, like man, I don't have this gift. Like, I don't have the good gift. Yes. I, I know we'll probably talk about that later too, but yeah, it's like, but it, he says here, we have all, everybody has different ones, but they're all given by God. Yes. Yeah. There clearly are greater and lesser gifts for sure. There, you know, there's like, for example, prophecy is said to be, you know, at the right, top of the right. list. You want that. But it is true that just because you don't have one of the greater gifts doesn't mean that you are useless and, yeah. and that God can't use it or, or that was a God's plan. In fact, in verse 11 here, he says, All of these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. Yeah. So it's not based on how great you are, you know, your gift. It's it's based on God and what he determines is the spiritual gift that you're going to get. You know, here's something interesting here in these verses we just read that talks about there are many gifts, but the same spirit. There are many kinds of service, uh, but the same Lord. And there are many different kinds of working. And so there's almost this, uh, logic flow happening here where gifts and service and working, which is kind of the effect. And some of your translations might say the effect uh, of it. And, you know, reading that, to me, what it's saying here is that you might have a gift, you might have certain giftings, but, you know, it's in the manner of, are you using it or not? Like where, where are you putting that to service? And then, you know, you could be having gift, you could be doing ministry, but that doesn't mean that you're going to have an effect, have yeah. an actual working that's actually going to, you know, accomplish something. Um, that these three things kind of go in hand. It's like, yeah, you get a gift, 
but they're to be used in the work of ministry, service, right? And they're supposed to be fruit from it, that are supposed to have an effect. Um, you know, to me, this is really what sets apart a spiritual gift rather than a natural talent, right? What are, like, what, what are some talents that you can think of that might be different than a gifting, perhaps? Um, maybe public speaking. Yeah, public speaking. Like I know I'm, lots of great public speakers that aren't necessarily Christians. Yeah, I wonder like the difference between public speaking and the gift of teaching, perhaps. Yeah, um, I think of things like the um, like music. Someone who's really talented, yeah, a musician, like a musical person. Mozart. He was writing yeah. some of his stuff at age one or something. Corey. <laughs> so Corey. He musical. wrote his first sonata at age three. <laughs> yeah. That's obviously a talent you're born with, right? <laughs> right. Writing. Or like uh, running fast. Oh, athleticism. Yes, athletics. Yeah. There's a good natural talent that can take you far. Obviously, the talents are something that you don't have to be a Christian to have. You're mm-hmm. just born with it. But, but there's something different about the spiritual gifts where uh, it's given to you for the purpose of, you know, putting it to use to build up, to edify, uh, and to love. Um, the church and, and reach people for Christ that, you know, has, has a, a you know, it's, it's done in the context of service like we, we see here and that uh, there are different effects or workings, workings out of that. There's fruit that comes from it. So, you know, that, that, that would, that would certainly make the difference clearer to me between just a natural talent and spiritual gift. So a talent would be more like just something you're good at and a gift would be more something God's given you for the, or like the building up of yes. other people. Okay. Yeah, and a talent you receive at birth and a gift you receive upon uh, conversion. You know, mm. The Spirit, when you receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit gives to you uh, one or more. As a matter of fact, let's look at verses uh, 7 and 8. He says, uh, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the message. All right, so then he gets into, into the you know, list of them here, but we're given this, the, the manifestation, the gift of the spirit for the common good. Right. It's supposed to be done within the context of serving and loving others. Good for the body, the body of Christ is a common metaphor that talks about the church, right? So another one that, you know, talks to the body, you know, in the same passage in first Corinthians 12, he's, puts a huge emphasis on, you know, their work, their behaviors with one another, their unity with one another. Verse 12 says, just as a body through one has many parts, but all its parts form one body. So it is with Christ. You're baptized with one spirit form, one, one body. And so his interest, you know, with these spiritual gifts is everyone needs to come to contribute something. These gifts are given not so, you know, to be enjoyed just for yourself, but they're meant to come together to form a full working body. Yeah, I think that can be confusing for people because I don't like look forward to Christmas to get a gift so I can give that gift away to somebody, you know? Yeah. Or like my birthday was a few months ago. I was like, oh, I got these gifts. I'm going to give them to people. But, yeah. but spiritual gifts are given to us so we can use them for others. So, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I think we tend to think of it more in a self-focused kind of way. Yes. Yeah, it's true. 
you know, and it's, and it's, it's easy to get selfish about it too. Like, cause this is what really makes me unique. Yeah. I'm like a special snowflake. <laughs> yeah. Everyone wants to be unique. Right. I understand that. I want to be unique. I don't right. want to be, you know, one of the same. And so we can start to see that as like, you know, take pride and like, look at how mm-hmm. good I am at this thing and better than anybody else. But you know, the challenge here is really not to think of the spiritual gifts in that way. They're supposed to be for the building up of the church, the body of Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a cross reference here in Romans chapter 12 which is a huge passage about our relationship with one another as Christians. He says, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So, you know, this is such a huge emphasis on, you know, the, the outworkings of the gifts given to us are, are it's to happen within the church. And so what you need is a community of believers, a community of believers where everyone's really connected, that right. the relationships are genuine. And unfortunately, I think a lot of Christians don't understand that. And they think that they can do the Christian life, the Christian walk by themselves, essentially. Mm-hmm. Is that your experience too, and many Christians that you've met throughout your career? <laughs> yeah. Um, your walk? Yeah. I'll call it more of a walk. <laughs> <laughs> That's your career, career with Christ. Yeah, but, uh, or a journey. A right? journey. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's huge. Like, if you just want to know your gift from, like, some test online, that's not going to, you might not even find it because uh, you're not, like, uh, experiencing life as a Christian with your friends and people, other people who are trying to reach people. Uh, that's how I found out my gifts. And I've seen other people find their gifts is through actually living out their walk with God with other people. Yes. Not just like an isolated, oh, I am this gift. I'm like this particular gift. So I'm going to go find a church where I can plug myself in. They need that gift. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Unfortunate reality is, you know, this has become a trend too in the American church is that it has become in large part a show. It's like these Sunday morning, Sunday night service where, you come to be edified, uh, you know, sing songs and have the lasers and smoke fog machines, whatever. And, and you know, the, the person doing all the work of ministry is the pastor who's preaching. Mm-hmm. But that's not the picture of the Christian walk that's painted in the New Testament. You know, it's the picture used is the body of Christ. So it's like everyone, you can't have a church without every member of that body contributing in their unique role. You know, that's that's what we just read in, in Romans 12 there, that not every member has the same function, that, that it's like when you have a church where just a select few are doing all the work of ministry, you're letting all of the the giftings that are out there in your congregation right. go to waste. Yeah, that's so sad. Like so many people just sitting there, like probably so gifted, but never realized. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I found this, you know, for, you know, as in talking to young college students this summer in our small group, We've had uh, several visitors from other churches uh, Mm -hmm. visiting like new college students who used to go to other churches, but are kind of just checking us out. And it's really interesting talking to them and finding out their experience because, you know, they, I find that a lot of them have that desire to serve God. They want to do something significant for Christ with their lives, but they didn't have an opportunity to do that before this in their various high school groups because, you know, it was the youth pastor who did all that work. And so right. that now they're, they're going off to their various colleges and they want to live for Christ, but they don't know how. Um, 
you know, they don't have like a community group, uh, 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 a body of believers to be part of where there's close relationships, yeah. accountability, people working hand in hand together. So many kids who grow up in the church go off to college somewhere and they're completely cut off. They're alone. Mm -hmm. They don't find a good body to become a part of. And so it's no wonder that the vast majority of these young people are leaving the faith. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like, you know, if someone's listening to this or watching it thinking, how do I find my spiritual gift? Maybe the first step is get really involved in your church. Yes. Right. And like really let people into your life so they can see what's going on and maybe they'll notice something cool about you. Yeah. Like you're gifted in. And don't be naive because if you think that you can go off to college somewhere by yourself, and think that, you know, you'll, you'll be able to stand strong as a Christian by yourself. You know, think again. Right. It'd be very hard. It's also interesting, like, First Core 12 and Romans 12 are two of the big spiritual gift passages. And they both talk about what you're talking about. Like, you yes. just did First Core 12, and it's talking about, you know, like, uh, the whole body were an eye. Where would the hearing be? And then Romans 12 says, like, also uh, that we're all members of one another. It's yes. like right in the context of spiritual gifts. It reminds us, hey, uh, remember all those other people? You need them. <laughs> They're yeah. your friends. You know? Think of it this way. Imagine cutting off your finger and then FedExing it to a college across the state and it has no other body to attach to. What happens to that finger? It rots. It starts to stink. <laughs> Just imagine. <laughs> yes. This, this metaphor is tremendous because it goes very deep. We could explore this all we want. But perhaps we should move on. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so um, now, returning back to the gifts. The, the whole point of all that is that the gifts are given to be exercised in the context of a community, a love community of Christians that are really connected. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point of it. So given that, let's talk more about the gifts. Because there are several views on the role of the gifts in the Christian community. One view that is quite popular is called the cessationist view. Now, I, I know a look of confusion has crossed over your face. Now. You say cessationist. <laughs> what is this, the Civil War? No, this isn't the Civil War. You quitting Zach. smoking? <laughs> yeah, smoking <laughs> cessation. No, it's not quitting smoking either. It is uh, actually a theological thing. The cessationists uh, believe that, you know, these supernatural gifts, especially that are, you know, in these gifting lists in the New Testament, these were, uh, you know, intended just to serve that early church, the ancient church, and are not in use today anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they were there to help it grow, and now it's gone. Many famous people uh, kind of, basically, it came to prominence during the Protestant Reformation, uh, especially from people like John Calvin. He was a cessationist. You believe that? That the idea, you know, that, that there's not real miracles being worked today. Um, several dispensational thinkers, too, throughout history have pushed the same view. But why he was all about this was because, you know, the Catholics, who were very unhappy with the, you know, Reformation, as you can imagine, you know, they used the, uh, like, miracles as proof that their claims were correct mm. and that the reform thinkers are wrong. Because how can you explain that God is, is working miracles in our midst, thus God is on our side, the Catholics, and not on your side. Yeah. And so people like John Calvin are like, well, 
miracles don't even happen anymore. Seems like kind of an extreme reaction to it. But, you know, I could see why he would want to push such a view, I suppose. Um, Anyway, so that would be the cessationists. And there are lots of them around today, actually. Uh, Many Christian denominations believe that, that the gifts are, are in large part no more. I've, um, I've heard like, or, or maybe, I don't know, can you sympathize with a little bit with that view with the speaking in tongues in particular? Like I've heard some people say, I, I pretty much believe in all the spiritual gifts, but speaking in tongues, I'm not sure. Yes. You know? Yeah, I've heard that. Or and But more common, it's uh, arguments of what it means. What does it mean by speaking in tongues here? Where some, yeah. you know, believe that it's like being able to learn new languages really quick. So that's yeah. a way to get around that. I, um, I haven't heard that one. That's, yes. I don't have that. <laughs> I did terrible in Spanish class. Not a good tongue, huh? That was the worst. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are, a lot, there are different views on this. We'll, we'll get to sort of my view on this. But uh, then the, another, the kind of obviously in contrast to that is the continuationist who would believe that the gifts are continued to this day. But this view also goes to its extremes. Which is to say, you know, there are, are continuationists, especially among the charismatic and Pentecostal traditions that, um, you know, really push the gifts to such an extreme that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, speaking in tongues is a requirement, you know, to say that you have the Holy Spirit. Um, and if you can't speak in tongues, then you don't have the Holy Spirit. If you don't perform miracles, then you don't have the Holy Spirit, for example. Um, and, you know, they would say like prophecy. Right. Their interpretation of prophecy would be that literally God will speak through me. You know, I've actually been at a service like this where people have stood up to say, like, thus says the Lord. And then they'll utter what they would call prophecy. Mm. And it's, you know, supposed to be God speaking through them. Uh, right, you know, and, and it's God's words alone. Interesting. Like word for word. Yeah. And it's like new scripture or something. You know, it basically mm. would carry the same weight as scripture mm. in that way. So that's kind of the extreme uh, continuation. Oh, continuationist view. Now, where do I fall? My view is the correct one. <laughs> you know, I've thought about this a lot. And I, too, like, I, I'm, I have the correct view, too. <laughs> so, um, you know, I can't remember what the correct view is, though. Could you tell me what I the wish, correct view is? You know is? what? I wish more people had the correct No, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I fall somewhere. I'm in the continuationist. Okay. Uh, but not... I'm, you could say continuationist with a seatbelt, right? And that is that like you know, a full yeah. seatbelt, like both sides. I would say both sides. Okay. That probably would, <laughs> you know, to take that metaphor as far as possible, it would be where I fall. And you know, I would say that there are the gifts certainly continue to this day. Uh, there's evidence that just an experience and you know witnessing them happen. Yeah, but totally. also, when you look at the Bible, look at the description of these gifts. That there's no indication here that it's like. You know, but better use these for a while because they're going to go. Yeah. You know, and it, it seems like very much that the expectation is as a Christian, you're going to get receive a gift and receive many. Yep. Um, but, you know, so when I say with a seatbelt, I mean that, you know, in the exercise of these gifts that we have to be careful not to let that trump scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, scripture, that's that's uh, God's revealed truth. And so where we are in conflict with that, where our experience is in conflict with that, we have to, you know, defer to scripture. Right. So, you know, when someone gets up to say, I'm going to prophesy, you know, a word from the Lord, just the Lord directly, I'm not just going to take that as gospel. You know, that's that's the kind of thing that you take uh, and you analyze it before scripture. You, sh- you certainly take it with a grain of salt. Right. You know, scripture above all else, you know, where that's concerned. 
but I definitely don't agree that the the gifts are just gone. No, me neither. Today, yeah, I, I think some people probably tend to think if it's anything outside of what I can explain, then it it's not here anymore. Like kind of like a miracle conversation, mm-hmm. which I don't think is the right view. Yeah, to expect God couldn't do something really awesome through somebody. Yes. Yeah. It's silly to me, you know. Yeah, I think there, there's huge influence there in the cessation view from uh, the Enlightenment, yeah. from uh, rationalism, human reason, that you know, the idea of the supernatural is just kind of silly yeah. to a lot of people coming from this view uh, because, you know, after all, science, logic. But you start heading towards a dangerous route with that towards deism, essentially, which is mm-hmm. just God set things in motion and step back. Right. But, uh, you know, certainly we wouldn't, fall under that category in our united personal beliefs because you know god is active today that was that's the promise in scripture that go therefore make disciples and lo i am with you until the end of the age and so we should expect if if we have jesus with us if we have the holy spirit that absolutely supernatural things are are going to occur and and to you know we we can it's safe to expect that right it's it's good to yeah we've seen amazing things happen with people like who are gifted and it's like oh my gosh like can't believe they did that you know yes yeah so anyway that's uh some of the views on it but let's take a look now at uh you know specifically the the list here in first corinthians chapter 12 you know he, he starts getting into the in the list but and it also might be helpful just to kind of get the background on why he's telling them about the gifts because they're they're having a problem here in corinth um he says in in verse one of chapter 12 that now the gifts of the Spirit, brother and sister, I do, not, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant about it. Um, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So more proof that you don't need to speak in tongues to be a Christian or have the Holy Spirit. It's simply someone who says, um, Jesus is Lord and, and believes that, has their sins forgiven, has become a Christian, you get the Holy Spirit. The problem with the Corinthians is that they had a problem with ignorance. Later on, he calls them babies uh, <laughs> because you know they have a false understanding of what it means to be a Christian and to exercise the gifts in a good way. They're influenced very much by their filthy pagan culture that's around them, which would be an unbelieving culture is what you know, pagan, I use that term to say. But, you know, they, they were, this would be a kind of culture that would put feelings and experience over truth, right? So they were abusing the spiritual gifts, using it in a, you know, unwieldy way. And so he kind of, I love that he just reminds them here. It's like a wake up call. Like, do you remember where you were? Oh, you used to be, you used to be idol worshipers. You used to totally live by your feelings and your experience alone. But now you've received Christ. Now, um, you know, you've said Jesus is Lord. And so you've, you've acted based on the revealed truth of God, that Jesus is a son and died for your sins. And so that's what you're supposed to base your life on, not just your feelings and experience. Yeah. Um, and so he calls them ignorant, you know, about, about the gifts. You know, they just don't understand to use them. Um, so it made me think, you know, what, what, what does it mean to be ignorant of the gifts? Like, how can we be ignorant of the gifts today? Mm-hmm. I suppose. Um, do you see any like, you know, comparisons with the Corinthian culture, maybe 
of experience, living by experience and feelings with culture of today. Do you see that? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I totally think our culture, at least here in Northeast Ohio, uh, totally is similar to that. I think it's interesting, like the experience and feelings thing. Uh, I was just, as you were reading, I was looking in the context, first core 11, talking about the Lord's Supper, and he like kind of gets on them. He's like, they're coming together, not like really to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but like to get in line first for the food and stuff, yeah. you know? And uh, I wonder if they're doing the same thing with the gifts, just like wondering selfishly about it. Yes. And I, I think that tends to be the main issue is I don't want to, like people, I know I've struggled with this. Like we don't want to know our spiritual gifts so I can serve, but instead just so I can like maybe be recognized and like yeah. people can say, well, you're so great and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is funny because a gift was given to us. So like if someone said, hey, you're gifted in that, they're not really like saying good job to me. They're saying God's given you something. Does that make yes. sense? Like, yeah. I should say, yeah, praise God because he gave yes. that to me. Yeah, we have to always give it back to him. And yeah. I think, you know, probably he does um, – you know, he's, he's, it makes sense that he'd be careful in giving those out because it's like, yeah, you know, it, it, they're so easily abused. The gifts are so easily that's abused a good point. and they can be turned uh, to selfish uh, things here. Do you think that's why maybe uh, it takes a while for people to know what they're gifted in? You think that plays a part? Yeah, it could be. Uh, we know that when you become a Christian, you're gifted like right away. And it's just a matter of discovering that. Yeah. Um, I think gifts can come later. Uh, mm -hmm. because, you know, he even tells them that, you know, seek the greater gifts, you know, you can pray for prophecy. Now you might be given that it's true. Uh, or tongues, for example. So more can come, but when you become a Christian, you got at least one. So, uh, you know, it, it's good to, to figure that out. I suppose that that's one way that, um, you know, we can be ignorant or I've seen, you know, ignorance in terms of spiritual gifts is people not thinking about them and they're not, they don't know what their gift is. And so they're not cultivating their gift. I think that's a huge waste. Uh, if you so, on the one hand, if you know what you're gifted at, you've got to use that gift. You got to cultivate that gift. It's a, it's you know, there's nothing more shameful than letting your gift that God's given you go to waste. Yeah. As a Christian, we should be finding ways to cultivate it and to grow it. And we'll talk here at the end of how you know some ways that you can discover your gift. Um, but don't use it. Don't waste it. I think that's one way to be ignorant. That's, yeah, that's a good point. Like, just like, you know what, what if, like, I'm just going to do what everybody else is doing because, you know, I don't want to, like, put too much energy into it or something. Yes. That'd be a waste. Yeah. Yeah, I think people, too, they can get the idea that uh, it kind of related to what you brought up earlier about there's, I don't have those greater gifts. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not a good teacher. I'm not getting up to prophesy um, or starting new ministries and stuff. So I must not be as useful. Um, and, and people might have an idea of what it means. So to be a Christian... And to be a walking Christian is to be great like that preacher over there. And, right. and so I have to reach that or else I'm not great. You know, every 20-year-old that comes to Christ wants to become a preacher right away, right. you know, basically. But yeah. that's not always the case. You know, not everyone's going to be gifted in the same ways. Everyone's gifted uniquely. And so, you know, to not be ignorant about that means recognizing that maybe I, I have a certain set of gifts or a gift that's not the obvious in front of the crowd type gifts, yeah. but it's kind of behind the scenes mm -hmm. and making the church function but it's the unseen kind of uncelebrated kind and, right. and um, you know, understanding that, that fruitfulness, effectiveness can come through doing that and not just doing the preaching yeah. or something. That's a good point. And um, like we have home churches and in my home church, at least 
I find it interesting that people that really lean into their gifts that maybe aren't front and center gifts honestly get like eventually through a roundabout way get promoted and encouraged like almost in every teaching. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. like, you know what? Joey is so faithful or Joey is so encouraging. Yes. Shout out Joey. Um, but it's kind of cool. Like people start to recognize if you're doing behind the scenes stuff a lot. You actually end up like eventually like getting noticed. Yes. Which of course shouldn't be the reason to do it, but I don't know. All it's, right. It's right. cool. Like people notice. Yeah, it is good. I mean, that's like encouragement in action. Right. Yeah. We all do need encouragement. And it's it, it is nice to be encouraged for something, you know, when you're using your gift, you know, recognition may or may not come. Um, but it's, you yeah. know, really exercising it means even if it doesn't come, am I still willing to right. you know serve with that or not? Uh, I think one more way that people can be ignorant about it is that, um, you know, they will say that I'm just not gifted at giving, so I'm not going to do it, you know, or I'm not gifted at evangelism, so I'll leave other people to do that. But just because you're not gifted at something doesn't mean you're not called to still do that. Yeah, I had that question written down. Should I still serve in areas I don't think I'm gifted in? Oh, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Good to know. (laughs) Absolutely. I've been in that position before, haven't yeah. you? I yes. feel like I've been put in, like, for example, I don't fall, I don't feel particularly called, you know, to like young youth ministry, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I remember being in a position where I was asked to step into our junior high ministry. And mm-hmm. it was kind of, I felt a little bit out of my element um, at the time. We're just like, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure this is where, you know, supposed to be. But it was like, God saying, take advantage, like, this is your time. Mm-hmm. Go in there. And, and, and do what you can. And, um, and I found it a very helpful, good, you know, experience yeah. being able to do that. And you can learn, you can grow. You may not be a gifted teacher, but you can mm-hmm. still learn to teach and you'll have opportunities to teach, um, quite possibly, you know, with right. your family, with sharing the gospel with someone, mm-hmm. but you know, who knows, uh, and your small group, you know, you have some friends that are interested in learning about the Bibles and, but you're not a good teacher. You yeah. still, you got to put that into practice. You know, if you got friends that want to learn. Yeah, it'd be like, you know, one of the gifts is like knowledge and be like, well, I'm not gifted in knowledge, so. so I'm not, not going to read a book. I'm not going to read any books. <laughs> I'm not going to read the Bible. Sorry, not my gift. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Yeah. So do not use your gifts or lack thereof as an excuse not to learn, not to grow in those areas. Uh, for my, you know, personally, uh, area of weakness for me is administration. I'm not a very organized person. I'm not naturally, you know, a, a logistics person. Um and you know, on the one hand, I recognize that, which means I know I need people around me that are good mm-hmm. at it so they, so I can actually get help. Um, but I also know that that doesn't mean I, I shouldn't learn how to do that and put that in practice. You know, my church right now, we're, we're putting together our study center, which is here. That's why it looks like it's under construction, because it is, basically. <laughs> and um, I'm, you know, kind of getting more involved in some of the logistics of getting this place together. And, right. and uh, because I work out of here, too, so it gives me a good opportunity to do that. I'm not gifted there, but I'm, I think I'm learning. And yeah, I think so. T- I would say you are, by the way. Oh, hey, thanks. It's cool. You are, you're actually getting way more organized, but uh, <laughs> it's cool. But I, I was thinking about that too. Appreciate it. Studying for this is like, uh, you know, we're gifted in certain areas. And for me to like look at someone else and kind of judge them because they're not gifted how I am is pretty messed up and yes. not fair. Like, wow, they don't see it like me. It's like, yeah, t- duh. Like, but they see these other things that are different and really helpful. Yeah, you get to start to see everybody's like uh, how they can benefit the church. Yeah, 
you know. Well, let's take a look at a few of them. There's a lot. We may not have time to get to everyone and explain everyone in detail, but it's worth taking a look at a few of them, especially ones that come up in this list and first core. Let's do it. 12. Um, So he says in uh, verse 8, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom and to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. So again, emphasizing the Spirit's given these, but the first one is wisdom. What does wisdom mean to you, Zach? Um, wisdom. I've heard it like a, it's like applying knowledge to life, yeah. like skillful living. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. I've heard it said the art of skillful yeah. living that, you know, the why the person gifted in wisdom seems to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. And someone who's, who's wise would be really good at guiding others yeah. on paths of wisdom. You know, someone who's gifted in wisdom ought to try to find opportunities to be that person who, uh, you know, counsels people who, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in like discipleship type relationships are really engaged there and you know, mentoring someone, um, looking for opportunities to uh, guide people down the right path. You know, that's the wise person. They're not, yeah. not prone to foolish, you know, dis- destructive yeah, decisions. Yeah, can see things clearly like or we might get mixed up in the details. Yes. Yeah, I've benefited so much from people who are gifted with wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're the people that you go to for advice, especially. Yeah. They just usually have really good advice, and they, they can guide people down the right path, applying it, you know. Streets, what do you call it? Street knowledge. Street. Smarts. Street smarts. You know, yeah. it's kind of like that in a way, but in a spiritual way, obviously. Someone who's spiritually wise, yeah, can like apply biblical truths in good ways. That's true. All right. So then the other one he mentioned was knowledge. You know, when I think of someone who's gifted knowledge, they're the people that, you know, have the subscription to Audible and to Amazon Unlimited. And their highlight of the week Hoopla. is when Amazon tr- you know, truck pulls up with their new truckload of books. Hoopla, another great resource, free audiobooks and all that. They have the big libraries. Mm-hmm. They love to study. Study is like a hobby for them. You know, I thought I had the gift of knowledge when I was young uh, because I thought I was so smart. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know about that anyway, you know, today because I, you know, when it comes to the study, it's not, I'm not as excited about it. I'm, I'm very excited about the doing though. I love to preach. I love to teach. I love to go out. I love to, to lead, tell everybody about what you studied. Yes. I, I, ra- <laughs> I rather tell people what I should have studied <laughs> than actually study something um, for myself. But I, I do like, but I have cultivated a love for reading, you know, just yeah, reading a lot. Totally. That. But yeah, but the gifted knowledge people are going to be, you know, they, you go to them to get some insight in your teaching. You know, mm-hmm. what does the Bible actually say? What is, what's the Greek word for that? Yep. You know, we have a buddy who just translated the entire book of James into Greek or something, don't we? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. I know. Just he just got out of college, too. Like, yeah. That long ago. That's someone who has knowledge, you know, gift of knowledge, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, they love hitting the books. They're up all night. You know, they're not playing video games. They're playing read the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a real fun game. You know, I don't know if I would describe books as just dictionaries, but (laughs) yeah. There are other books, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, I think this one's awesome. I mean, I'm a little more inclined towards, I don't know if I have the gift of knowledge, but I know that 
it would I would love to have it, you know. Yes. And yeah. like I love studying and love reading, and it's not always for a like a teaching or a product or something. I could very well believe that yeah. because for our both of us, we did our final projects at the same time for seminary on graduating, and you chose to do the you know several days very large research paper. Yeah. And I <laughs> couldn't think of a more boring thing I could possibly <laughs> do with my life, and so I chose to do the activity. You know, right. Because it allowed me to actually do something. So I could see a difference there. I could see a gift of knowledge there. Yeah. Absolutely. But you need your, your, your knowledge gifting people around for sure. It can help keep you from error and saying incorrect things, making bad interpretations. Um, yeah, knowledge is, is, is a huge one for sure. What's the next one? To another faith by the same spirit. So faith, what does it mean to have the gift of faith? Are we all called to have faith, Zach? It's a good question. To be um, gifted in faith, though. Yeah, are they just like they really believe that Jesus died they for them. Really, you just kind of believe it. You really, the gifting of the faith. Now, that person really believes it. That's true. But the you know, I think that actually you can really organize these gifts into three different categories. You have gifts of the word, which would be things like you know wisdom, knowledge, uh, you know gifts of of service, actually putting things in action. And then um, gifts of prayer, I think is, you know, there's a bunch of gifts that fall under that. And faith I'd put under that prayer category because it's, I think the faithful person, yeah, they really do believe God can do what he says he can do. And they really, they have like the faith, like Jesus would say, that could move mountains. And so they're faithful in prayer. They know, that's the first place they go is prayer because they know that, that uh, God can and will work this, you know, do, you know work this into being. That's a good. That's a good example. Like prayer would be a huge part of that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Need your faithful. You know, when everyone else feels like giving up, the faithful, gifting person. You know, they're like, no way. Yep. God's working something here. We just have to trust Him, and they're the solid rock when trial is going on, and um, they really put their trust in God more than themselves. Yeah, they probably take big steps of faith too, and yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, and then uh, what's the next one, Zach? Looks like we got healing. Oh, gifts. So it's interesting how it's said here, gifts of healings. <laughs> it's plural, twice. Interesting. Do you, do you think that's significant? I would say so. There's I multiple think, of them. Yes. Because when you think of healing, what do you think of? Uh, like going to the doctor's. Sure. Doctor, healed, yeah. You know, <laughs> I think, yeah, miraculous healing. I think, yeah, that someone okay, lays yeah. their hands on you and then bang, you know, your flu's gone or something. But I think there are many forms of that. You know, I think the healings also you could maybe categorize in a prayer too that it's the, um, you know, you could be healed physically, you could be healed mentally. Sometimes you need spiritual healing. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of when, when you're feeling down ailments that you could suffer in many ways to be healed. And I think when he's still, I don't think it's any coincidence that he has, you know, a plural here. When there's, there's gifts, there's four, there's many different forms of healing. Um, yeah. I think someone with this gift probably would be really good. Again, you know, also praying that I'm going to put, you know, what you're suffering through right now before God. Hmm. And then they would see things happen from that, you know, fruit come from it. All right, what's next? Uh, we got miracles. Miraculous powers yes so i think you know this would obviously be the um 
you know, outworking it's, it's, you know, where this person goes, where this guy person prays, especially too. amazing things happen that, you know, ordinarily wouldn't, um, the person with, with a gifting here, I think, again, probably would, would organize that under another prayer, um, gift that just what is not making the impossible possible, you know, obviously yeah. this guy working that, but yeah, I've seen cool. people pray for the most miraculous, amazing things. God makes it happen. I think it probably too, it manifests itself in different ways, you know, uh, depending on where the spirit is working. So I think for example, you would have areas like in the East India, China, mm-hmm. where they put huge stock in, you know, supernat- the supernatural that it's really a, a matter of what God is going to triumph. And so it's, is it going to be the, you know, the uh, Hindu gods or mm-hmm. God of the Bible? And so I think because of that, because that's the culture and what they expect, I, I think that, you know, God works, you know, more like very visible, obvious, supernatural kind of miracles through specific people there. Right. Uh, perhaps more so in the, although I, I know that they do happen in the West, but I think it's, it's way more prevalent over there in the East because that's what the unbelievers expect. It's, if you say your God is better than these gods, prove it. Yeah. It seems I, we've both uh, been over to India and we heard, heard in like a bunch of testimonies saying what you just said. Yeah. It, it does seem like maybe God's working different ways, different places. Yes. Depending on like how known he is, how receptive people are, what they need. You know? Yeah. And like, yeah, just, I kind of am curious, like, I'm so excited to get to heaven one day and see like what kind of miracles happened in front of me that I didn't recognize as a miracle. Like, you know, somebody coming to know Christ, like that seemed impossible. Like it might be a miracle. Yeah. All right. And then the next one is uh, prophecy, I believe. Prophecy. Another one is prophecy. So when you think of this, you think of you know, the, the prophet, like in the old Testament, that is literally predicting the future. You know, I, I, I'm prophesying what's going to happen and predicting what's going to happen. But, you know, what is that what the, what Paul means here by that word? And I tend to think not, especially when you look at the original Greek, you know, prove, uh, and the prophecy it's speaking forth is literally hmm. how it translates. It's just speaking forth. So it's, it's truth, you know, from God that's being spoken out and, I don't think that you have to tell the future to prophesy, you know, in, in the sense that the author here is using the word. I think that, you know, to speak forth the truth is, is something that is combined often with teaching. So there's a, a specific gift mm-hmm. of teaching. This kind of person would be really good at, you know, putting the truths of God in a logical flow, make it make sense. People learn God's truth. When this person is speaking, they, they know how to structure it. They know how to teach it in such a way that it makes sense to people. But when you couple that with prophecy, it's like God himself speaking. It feels, you know, it's, it's, that there's that ability to strike through to the person's heart, not just their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I really relate it to like that, that, convic- that conviction element of a teaching that can they, you know, set people's hearts on fire and, mm-hmm. you know, does it mobilize people to go out and, you know, uh, you know, accomplish God's purpose. Yeah. Um, I think I would, I think my father might have this gifting. For example, he's uh, he's the senior uh, a teacher at our church and he has that ability to, you know, when he's teaching, it's, it's, it strikes through to the heart and you can tell like, this really is a godly good message. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's godly good to the extent that it matches up with scripture because he's teaching scripture, but it's like God empowers those words to affect and move people strike through the heart that, 
just a, just normal teaching doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, prophecy is called the you know the greater gift. Mm -hmm. uh, later on in First Corinthians, it sees like if you want a, a gift, you know, it's that one. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I think I think you would too. But it just like seems to me like another way to describe it maybe would be just being able to see the deep spiritual needs of the moment and of the people. Yeah. And address it like like you're saying in a convicting way. Like, yes. Yeah. It yeah, because it's like got like they may not realize what it is yeah. that they need to say to mobilize to change people's hearts in this church or you know you got to fit the needs, but with the gift of prophecy comes God showing them exactly where, yeah. where it would you know needs to apply. Um, I've seen that that gift exercised to a tremendous you know extent. Me too. So anyway, it's just important to not think narrowly about what prophecy means, but it's it's. Yeah. it's Forth telling, it's t it's telling out, you know, the, the words of truth of God. And then I do want to hit on this uh, this next one here because this is where a lot of confusion and differing opinions come to play. Um, well, there's the well, let's say the distinguishing between spirits. So this is different. So this would be like um, discernment. Otherwise, some of your translations might say that that's someone who can really uh, they have a, a feel for where like Satan, the enemy is where, you know, the, the enemy, when the, when the Bible says the enemy, that's Satan. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, someone that get the discernment can really tell like, what is the spiritual reality here? What is actually going on? Where's God working? Yeah. Where's, you know, the enemy, especially like, where is he working? And they can kind of anticipate that. And God gives them ability to see that, you know, so that they can help lead the church certain way. Um, yeah, prophecies from spirits. Another okay, so here's where it is. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. Speaking in tongues and interp interpretation of tongues. So that's where we kind of introduce there's some uh controversy yeah. around this topic that you know, maybe you have to speak in tongues in order to be saved or something. We talked about how that's not true, but what does it actually mean to speak in tongues? Well, one view is that, you know, speaking in tongues you mentioned is uh, we, I, you know, I can speak, God gives me the ability to speak another language or some have said it's the ability to learn other languages really well. Um, you know, that's a way to kind of remove the supernatural from it. But I think, you know, when the Bible's talking about teaching in, in, or speaking in tongues, that um, it is a supernatural thing. It's not a, a, a language of man, but he even describes, and I think First uh, Corinth 13, 13, right at the beginning, he says yeah. that you might speak in, if I speak in the tongue of men or even angels, that there's right. this like heavenly language, um, you know, but I don't have love then I'm nothing. It's kind of the point of that section. But, but he clearly is teaching that there's this like a supernatural ability to speak in the tongue, like a heavenly language that you, you may even speak it and not understand it without an interpreter. Um, in 1 Corinthians 14, he really lays down what it means to speak in tongues properly in the meeting because they're abusing it. Apparently a lot of people are speaking in tongues there uh, without an interpreter present. And he's concerned because he's like, non-believers are going to come here and they're going to think you're speaking gibberish and they're right. going to be totally confused. So don't do that. There's a lot. So he lays down some, some principles on this. He's like, if you're going to speak in tongues in the general assembly, you got to have an interpreter present so that we, everyone can be edified. Otherwise, if you don't have an interpreter, that's for your edification alone. That's yeah. for you to be able to pray to God. And you may not understand it, but it's a spirit thing. Your spirit is like connecting with God in this 
otherworldly kind of prayer. Uh, yeah. It's an odd mystical thing, isn't it? It is. It's the hardest one to get my head around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so I do think people have this gift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know very many people that do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jenna, I know a lot of people have, have claimed, but it's yeah. hard to say if that is true or they are copying what they're hearing. But I, I personally know of someone, a girl who, um, you know, she grew up in a non-Christian, unbelieving home. And she had come out to a uh, home group and was saved. But then, you know, she was still a minor and her parents then forbade her from going to anything and they were totally against it. And they made sure she didn't see any of her Christian friends anymore. And so she was devastated mm-hmm. and she was just like, what do I do? I like, I care about God and I, I'm not able to grow. I'm, I'm cut off from everything. And, you know, I have my Bible when I'm reading it, but no one's here to teach me. So I'm confused. And so she went through this period where it was like super frustrating and I don't know what to do to, and, um, during this time, God, uh, apparently gave her the, the gift to speak in tongues and she Impressive. found herself praying, just agonizing. And she started speaking another language. Now keep in mind, this girl had not grown up in any kind of Pentecostal background or mm. charismatic background where that's very common. Um, and so she, she, it wasn't like she was copying what she's was raised with. She just all of a sudden started praying in a language she couldn't wow. understand. Um, and she found that this like soothed her soul, like put her at peace because she was able to connect with God in a very intimate way. And then, um, you know, eventually she became an adult and was allowed to come, come around again. And so I, I think that it's, it's a compelling story. I believe her. Um, I, but outside of that, don't have too many yeah. examples that are real, but it's, it's convincing enough to me that there is this real supernatural gift out there. And mm-hmm. personally, I've prayed for it. I haven't received it, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it does, it, you know, apparently as Paul says here, it's like, it's a private thing between yeah. you and God. It's not for everyone unless you have an interpreter present. Yeah, I've always been interested how that comes out. Like if someone ends up having the gift of tongues, but then you got to wait for someone to have an interpreter too. What if you're gifted at interpretation, but you don't know it? Yeah, because you don't know anybody with the gift of tongues. Yeah. The only way to know is to be around someone actually speaking tongues, I suppose. Yeah, I, I have heard like other stories similar that people, you know, have seen this or have heard of it and see, it seems to be perhaps God uh, uses this, this gift where it's needed. Yeah. It does seem like some places, perhaps, um, I don't know how to say this, they abuse it. Uh, yeah. Make people feel like you have to have this gift. Right. Yeah. And that's evidence of having the Holy Spirit or something. But yeah. obviously, that's not an emphasis in the Bible. You know, they're, they're kind of speaking from their own beliefs and experience. Yeah. But anyway, there are, there are many other uh, uh, gifts. Do you, do you have any ones in particular you want to hit? Some of the service ones we haven't really hit at all. I suppose we talked about administration, being able to be a really good organizer, uh, making, you know, the, the um, I don't know, pie in the sky kind of ideas, bringing it down to earth and making it doable. Yeah. Someone who's really good at administrating, working on the logistics. Yeah, I think um, helps is a cool one. Evangelism. Yeah. Awesome. Same with encouragement. Uh, some translations say exhortation. Yeah. Yeah. I know uh, one of my best friends has a gift of encouragement or exhortation. And like, he's the kind of person you want to go to uh, when you're feeling down yeah. and when you're confused and lo- feeling lost, like all you have to do is sit with this person for about five minutes and then you're like, oh yeah, I can do it. I can do it. You yeah. know, like the, the encourager has the ability to lift people up 
you know, from defeat, you know, feeling defeated and empowering and pushing them out and, and, uh, you know, make them feel like they can continue. So that's a very powerful, good mm-hmm. gift helps, you know, really someone who they, they put, you know, into action that when they see a need, they see something that needs done. They're the one like, I'll just do it. I'll do it. I'll yeah. do it. You know, we, we need to, you know, the new drywall put in at the new study center. Boom. I'm there, you know, yeah. and they have like an eagerness to do that too. Yeah, we had, like, Ellie, my wife and I had, uh, we were out of town. We asked somebody to watch our cat, like, come over and feed her, you know, once a day. Mm-hmm. And these girls that are in our home church just decided to do the dishes, too. Yeah. And I was like, wow. Like, that's one of the last things I would do myself. Yes. <laughs> is somebody else's dishes. And I was like, so, I felt so loved by that, though. And they just saw a need, and they did it. Yeah. Like, and they didn't say anything about it. We just came home, like, wait, didn't we have some dishes they're gone (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it was really cool though like when people just see a need and act on it yeah and just because again you don't have the gifts of service doesn't mean you should never do chores around the house all right so yeah trying to learn that one (laughs) officially uh me too yeah um about what i do want to hit too especially is the apostleship Mm. because there that's where some discussion is had on like well what about the original 12 apostles maybe apostleship was a gift given then yeah. And now there's no more apostles or anything. But, you know, clearly that there's more uh, what they would call an apostle than just the original 12. For example, in Romans chapter 16, they refer to a woman who is one of the apostles, who is uh, to the other apostles, including, yep. you know, several names, including a woman even. So clearly there's a distinction. There's the big A apostle, which would be the original you know, 12. And um, it'd be Paul, mm-hmm. who have the authority to, uh, you know, start, lead the church, and then they would, you know, be writing scripture. That's how we know, that's how we got the books of the Bible today. They would have to be authored by or supervised by a, a big A apostle. But then there's a small A apostle. And this, you know, looks to be the kind of people that are going out starting new ministries, yep. starting new, um, uh, whether it be Bible study or service, whatever. Like they're going out just on the front edge of the battlefield and they are uniquely gifted that they go out and they start things and they love starting things. They have a passion to do that. So that, I think that is a separate gift. I think that, so too. That, you know, you need to start a church. Yeah. Yeah. And to start the, you know, the outsides of like new ministries and stuff like that. Yeah. That's something I really love doing. And it's just like so fun. Yes. Yeah evangelism so someone who you know can really explain the gospel in a clear way and they even in the way they present not just what they say but the way they present it yeah some people can make friends like anywhere yeah start talking about spiritual stuff so smoothly and others of us like start stumbling you know (laughs) so what did you think of the teaching (laughs) yeah oh yeah thought it was cool that's cool yeah Yeah. like i have a a friend uh (laughs) friend who was a bus driver for kent for kent state and he would just invite people on the bus and he yeah. was the bus driver. And I was like, how did you end up having a conversation in their five minutes on the bus that got them out to come out to our Bible study? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I just talked to him. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, seeing that gift in action is beautiful. So let's move then to our last point here, just about how do you find your gifts then? Um, what do you, you have discovered some of yours. Zach, how did that happen for you? Um, I think. Like you were talking about before, actually getting involved in your church and your yes. ministry is the biggest step. Um, it took people telling me what they thought I was gifted in, like in normal conversation, yeah, to for me to be like, huh, that's interesting. And for what I'm not gifted in too, 
it took just trying a lot of different stuff. Yes. So that's I think that's the biggest thing is getting involved with ministry and trying different ways to serve. Yes. Yeah, they, they come out naturally. I think you, know, you could you mentioned before like taking a test online or so. You could take all the tests online, but it's not gonna be, you know, as helpful as say actually going out and doing the work of ministry and they kinda are right they come out and yep. it's visible there because you find yourself passionate about it yeah you find that it, ha- it bears fruit that is it works out in such a way that people are actually affected mm-hmm. uh, and, ch- and people change as a result of it or you know really you know has a measurable impact on the church things like that um but you do need those relationships you know those people around you to be able to help you identify that um and if you're on your own you're not going to really you're not doing ministry they're just you're not going to know they're not going to come out um but also prayer would be the other big one that, you know, I think praying to God, asking to reveal that, I think he'll, he'll act on that. You know, he'll show you, but, but you also need to just jump on those opportunities to serve. Yeah. Is that similar to how you found yours? Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't know anything about myself when I started doing ministry in a way, you know, I, I was saved, you know, I'm thinking specifically like in high school, it was like, I just knew I should try to serve people somehow, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I was like, what are the opportunities around? Well, I got some friends who come to Bible study. I'm going to reach out to them and I'm going to, you know, there's opportunities to teach. So I'll try that. You know, we need someone to teach. I'll teach. And, you know, as I started working these avenues, I found the areas where I, I was strong, you know, areas of teaching, especially leadership, people I kind of naturally wanted, like mm-hmm. I was able to spur people on to do things, you know, and, mm-hmm. and they were like, I could do that in a cheerful way that people are like excited to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I found probably, you know, wisdom, you know, I was able to avoid some a lot of the pitfalls that, that uh, you know, I've saw a lot of my like worldly friends fall into, yeah. for example. And I found people coming to me for advice a lot. And so as, as I was just, just doing ministry, I just, these kind of came out like, oh, I guess, you know, that might be something God's, you know, working uh, through me. And, and, but it came out over time yeah and it was re- revealed over time, but I wouldn't, would have never discovered it if I hadn't put myself out there and try the different opportunities mm. to serve that God put before me. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I can relate to that with just like, like uh, the the willingness is what sounds like you were saying is like by being willing to try different stuff, God showed you what you were good at. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's what we look for, that willingness and, pray, you know, prayer, very key. So, and then, so you'll know it might be gifting if, yeah, you have a lot of joy in it. Yeah. Like this, you know, I do really enjoy doing this part of it. Um, or, you know, yeah. It's like you're doing it and it's having an effect, measurable. So that's where you might know. So at any rate, that's uh, our discussion on spiritual gifts. Uh, Really, you know, would encourage you guys to think and pray about that for yourself and your various ministries. Um, You know, where where it is God's trying to fit you in, in his community, to his body. Um, Anyway, anything left on gifts you you have to say? Um. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I would just encourage people to be encouraged to try and figure it out because God does want us to find joy, like you just said, in doing his work. And it shouldn't be this drag thing. Like, it's awesome getting to serve God. He's given you really cool ways to do that. And you may right now be serving somewhere that maybe you're not as gifted in. Maybe there's somewhere else, like, not to stop doing the thing you're doing, but to look out for other ways you could serve that you'll be like, wow, this is awesome. That's that's what I've experienced. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Well, if you are tuning in uh, on 
YouTube. Remember to hit that subscribe button oh, yeah. and like for uh, you know more podcast episodes. And if you're listening, uh, you know make sure you subscribe to the feed so you get alerts for, for new ones that come out. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Stay faithful, my friend.